This is Tani Talks Radio, where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. A share where we tackle a topic per week, usually for the audience members to keep. Each week, I try to make it relatable, something that we could connect to, especially in the time of year. Last week, we talked about the Talas. We wear a Talas a lot during Yom Tov. And before that, we talked about Tefillin, which, of course, we wear every day. And now this week, God willing, we're tackling the Yonah story. What is the deal with the Yonah story in the middle of Yom Kippur when you're tired and weary from fasting? I know I am. Fasting is very difficult for me. We just said some Gedalia. Also very difficult for me. I don't like fasting, period. I find it very difficult. I actually think that if we could eat, maybe I'd have more kavana in some ways, but obviously the six points throughout the year we're supposed to do so. Very hard to work with kids and feed kids and whatnot when you yourself can't eat, you know? Not so easy. And Hasku is hard, and in the DOE it's hard when I'm working with the kids, and they need hands-on help, especially with food. Not so easy to listen and to see the smells and smell. I always make a joke on, on a fast day, even the salad smells good. You know, even the salad leaves, the lettuce leaves, smells good. But we come to Yom Kippur, and we looked at this idea last year on Tony Talks Life before we changed it to Tony Talks Radio, and we look at the idea and we kind of wonder to ourselves, you know, the whole Yom Kippur, we try to... We try to explain how we're trying to do tshuva. We're trying to come before Hashem and saying, you know, this thing, that thing. I ate too much. I didn't eat. I didn't have the right proper intentions or daven well, lashonhar, etc. Then we come to Yom Kippur, to Yom Kippur Mincha and smack in the middle of everything. First of all, you have the Torah laning where it's about these prohibitions of these. You know, relationships you're not supposed to have, which is not for here, not for now, but that's also an interesting question, why that's the laning, and why that's involved. Over here, of course, I direct you to your own art scroll sitter, but I'll give you a little bit of an answer. Hashem is talking about the chapter, how to be holy, that we want to have the relationship with God. Hashem is in control, and He wants us to make sure that we can be on the right path and not deviate and make sure to find the right person for us who is meant for us and to make sure not to go off in different directions which is a small answer to why we do that we want to be holy and be involved in the right relationships and then we go over and we come to Yonah the Yonah story seems very oddly placed last year we focused heavily on why he fleed which we're going to look at again God willingly not in a little bit but first what is the deal why are we talking about Yonah why are we talking about him running away? When did this story happen? What was the point of it? And what is going on here? Why is it coming up here in Yom Kippur Mincha when there's just a couple hours left to the most holy day of the entire year? Shouldn't we talk about something else? Shouldn't we find, like, wouldn't it be interesting to read about Eliyahu at Har Carmel, how he destroyed in an epic way all the fake Nevi'im, all the fake prophets, and say, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim. That's literally how we end Yom Kippur. Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim. You know, we say that. Many times, recognizing Hashem as the God, the only God, the true God, the one King. Wouldn't it be more apropos to read a Haftorah about Elio, my favorite prophet? Very, very interesting how he single-handedly went against everyone else. Here, we're reading about Yonah. Why Yonah? This was a guy that fleed from his responsibility. He goes on the ship and then a, a, a whale swallows him up. He spends three days in the whale, which is obviously not really possible in real life. He spit out, and then he goes to Nineveh and says like five words, and they do tshuva, and that's it. And then we see a kikayon situation with a shade and a worm. Why such a strange story? 
So I'll give you one answer that comes from the explanation of the art scroll, which really comes adapted from the Tanakh series Yonah, from art scroll by Rabbi Meir Zlotowitz. The book of Yonah, one of the books of the Trey Usser, the Twelve Prophets, is particularly appropriate for the Yom Kippur Haftorah. Why? Because number one, the story of Yonah teaches that sincere repentance, sincere tshuva, can reverse even the harshest heavenly decree, the Lavush points out. Number two, the repentance of Ninveh's inhabitants is to serve as an example to us to repent our sins, the Shalah points out. And the miraculous manner in which Yonah's flight was prevented by God shows that no one can escape from God, which comes from the Abu Raham. Because the lessons of Yonah are so pivotal to the meaning of Yom Kippur, it is considered a special merit to be called to the Torah for the Eliyam. Yonah is called Yonah ben Amitai. Yonah is mentioned in Malachim Bet and Paragudalid. He prophesied, he gave Nevuah during the reign of King Yeravam, son of Yoash. This, I believe, not a good king. The sages, see Seder Olam, identify Yonah as the prophet sent by Elisha to anoint Yehu as king of the ten tribes. Of course, he's dealing with Nineveh, the great city, the principal city of Assyria, Israel's bitterest enemy, where it lay on the eastern bank of the Tigris, and its population had 120,000 people. It was a very, very large city. And they, even though they were a large city, they, they were going to be receptive to Yonah. Even though he said very few words, they literally changed their manners, which shows that we also can change our manners and we also can be involved. And it shows us that if even the non-Jews, the non-Jewish people, can be saved, then of course we can be saved as well. So that's a small explanation. Why we read Yonah, especially on Yom Kippur, especially at, you know, Mincha, when we're already weakened, at least I'm already weakened, and like we're counting down those last few hours. When we look at Yonah itself, though, when we look at the prophet we look at the at the chapters the prakim it's very interesting to see how he's trying to flee and how often in our own lives do we try to flee from responsibility how do we try to flee from what people really want of us what we're really supposed to do and how we're supposed to accomplish things in this world how often do people flee from their destiny how often do people try to flee try to think they're going to be free, try to escape Hashem, God forbid, which is impossible, obviously, and try to go other places. You know, people run to, you know, India, people run to Budapest, people run to far-off nations of the world thinking that they could flee, God forbid, you know, being off the derach, thinking that they could find themselves, quote-unquote, in other religions and other aspects and other ways. You can never flee from your role. You can never flee from Judaism. You can never flee from your true responsibility and your true calling to be a Jew, which of course is a big lesson itself. But you look at the text. We look at Parak Bed in Yonah and we see Pasuk Aleph. It talks about how Hashem provided a huge fish to swallow Yonah. Yonah was told to go to Nineveh. He was told to give them a message. was told to you know, help them do tshuva. What does Yonah do? Instead of going to Ninveh, he goes the opposite direction, and he goes and he goes on a ship, and then the ship is tossed and turned a huge, huge storm. Everyone is crying out. Everyone wants to be saved, and they draw straws, and 
you know, Yona gets the, first of all, Yona goes to the bottom of the ship to try to avoid and flee from the scene, also crazy. He falls into a deep sleep, and they wake him up. What are you doing down here? What are you doing down here? They all draw a straw. So whoever has the shortest straw, you know, is going to be thrown over. Is going to be thrown overboard, and they feel bad. But he says, "It is because of me. It is because of me that this whole storm came about." Obviously, you know, Hashem is sending a direct message. But you know, they try to throw things overboard. They try to throw luggage overboard. In the end, you know, they feel bad, but they send Yona, excuse me, overboard. And they actually arrive safely. They feel very fearful of Hashem, and they give sacrifices to Hashem, and they do Nadarim, which I think is fascinating. They actually learn straight up, right from Yonah himself. Yonah is then swallowed by the fish, where we come to this idea, and we see that Yonah is now swallowed by the fish. Yonah was thrown overboard, and right up there, straight up there, he is swallowed by the fish, and he is in the fish's belly for quite some time. You know, he he is in that fish. It says in the Pasuk and Parak Bet, Pasuk Aleph, it talks about how it's a huge fish. Some people think it's a whale, but really I think it's a fish. He swallows him. He stays in the belly for three days and three nights. You want to praise to Hashem from the belly of the fish. But Hashem already told him, in Parak Aleph, go to Nineveh, go speak to them, proclaim judgment on their weaknesses that come before me. But he fleed from Hashem. He went down to Joppa. Jaffa found a ship going to Tarshish, opposite way. He made his way and he went to, eventually he did what they said. You know, later on, it says, he literally said five words. Od arba'im yom that's what Hashem wanted them to do so when he finally comes to turn it around and he comes to Paragimel Ninveh is only told five words by Yonah what is the deal Yonah told them five words forty days more and Ninveh shall be overthrown the people of Ninveh believe God they proclaim the fast great and small like put on the sackcloth some commentators some people point out that they were overthrown. The haughtiness was overthrown. The evil, the arrogance was overthrown. They did shuva, and they were different people. So really the city was overthrown, so the nevuah did take place. When the news reaches the king of Nineveh, what does he do? He himself goes, rises from his throne, took off his robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He had the word cried through Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, a flock or herd shall taste anything. They shall not graze, they shall not drink water. They shall be covered with sackcloth, man and beast, and they shall cry mightily to Hashem. Let everyone turn back from his evil ways and from the injustice of which he is guilty. Who knows but that God may turn and relent, and may turn back from his wrath, so that we do not perish. So the, the leader of Nineveh, the king, takes it very seriously. And he says, he talks about, all these things that they should do, they have to be better, don't eat anything, and, and you know, we're going to pray, cry out to Hashem. From five words, if Yonah can overturn the whole city, if Yonah can give a nevuah, five words, and it's so effective, halavai, how much more so, kavachomer, we should do what we can in our own lives to be better and to do better, be involved in mitzvahs and help the community, help the town, help people in our life. When Yonah was fleeing, I go back and forth, so stay with me. When Yonah was fleeing back in Parak Aleph, 
The wind comes upon him from the sea, and a great tempest comes upon the sea that the ship was in danger of literally breaking up. In their fright, they cried out to their own gods. They flung the cargo overboard, like I mentioned. Yona went down to the hold of the vessel. The captain. The captain goes over to him. How could you be sleeping so soundly? Call upon your god. Perhaps the god will be kind to us and we will not perish. Later on, I find this story interesting. You know, you have different extremes. Yonah fleeing, and then later he's upset, and then he goes and he sees the kikayon, the the special tree. Hashem asks him at the end, are you that deeply grieved about this kikayon that Hashem took away? It gave him shade, it was cool in the burning, brutal sun. Hashem asks, are you that deeply grieved? Yonah had left the city, found a place east of the city. He made a booth there, he sat under it in the shade until he see what, could see what would happen to the city. Hashem gave this rickenous plant which grew over Shiona to provide shade for his head and save him. Yona was happy about the plant, but when Hashem made a worm attack the plant so it withered, Hashem made it a very, very, very hot day. So, Yona was upset about Hashem turning face. When they when they did shuva. Hashem saw what they did. They went back from their ways. Hashem renounced the punishment he planned to bring upon them. He didn't carry out, but Yona was upset. Hashem, this is what I was worried about. The whole reason that Yonah was fleeing, commentators point out, is he didn't want it to be that the Ninevites heard five words and they would do tshuva, but the Israelim, the Jews, heard prophecy time and time again and they never did tshuva. And it looks like a big chilal Hashem and it does not look good for the Jewish people at all. So this is Yonah's problem here in Paragimel. Oh Lord, Hashem, isn't this just what I said when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled before into Tarshish, for I know your compassion, gracious God, slow to anger, bounding, and kindness. Renouncing punishment, please God, take my life. I would rather die than live. When he had fled, Hashem had to reiterate to him what to do, to go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it what was told. When he fled, though, like we talked about, they had to cast lots, and they had to see who would fall, and it fell on Yonah. They said, what did you do to us? Where did it come from? What people are you? And he did say that I'm an Ivory, and I came. You know, he did stand up and talk about where he's from, but he said it's really because of me. In the end of the chapter, in the end of the book, Hashem tells him, you cared about the plant, which you did not work for you, which you did not grow, which appeared overnight and perished overnight. Shall I not care about Nineveh, that great city in which there are 120,000 people who do not yet know their right from their left? And many animals as well. Interestingly, this whole story obviously was supposed to happen as planned from Hashem. The Pirkei de Rabbi Lezer explains in 10.7, Hashem prepared a great fish to swallow up Yonah, as we saw in 1.17 in Perak Aleph. You know, Pasuk Yudzayin, Rabbi Tarfon said the fish was specially appointed from the six days of creation to swallow up Yonah. As it is said, and Hashem had prepared a great fish to swallow up Yonah. Yonah entered the mouth of the creature of the fish just as a man enters the great synagogue. And he stood therein. The two eyes of the fish were like windows of glass, giving light to Yonah. Rameir said one pearl was suspended inside the belly of the fish, and it gave illumination to Yonah, like the sun which shines with its might at the noon. And you wonder, why in the world did they do this for Yonah? Why did Shem do this for Yonah? Rameir said one pearl was suspended 
inside the fish and gave illumination to Yonah like the sun which signs with its might at noon and showed to Yonah all that was in the sea and in the depths as it said light is sown for the righteous or that's how we start Yom Kippur very interestingly Light is sown for the righteous. Yonah was righteous. He might have made a mistake according to Hashem's estimation. According to his own estimation, really. But still, Hashem allowed him to thrive, allowed him to live inside the fish because light is sown for the righteous. Maybe that also is a hint, an allegory, an illusion for us. We can be righteous. Hashem will show us the way. Hashem can show us the light, can light up the way for us if we just do what we can in our life to be righteous and to be true. Yonah answered them, It is on my account that misfortune had befallen you. Take me up and cast me into the sea. The sea will become calm unto you. And he said to them, Take me up, cast me into the sea. The she, sea, well, calm down. Rabbi Shimon said the men would not consent to throw Yonah into the sea, but they cast lots among themselves, and the lot fell upon Yonah. What did they do? They took all the utensils which were in the ship and cast them into the sea in order to lighten it for their safety, but it didn't do anything. They wanted to return to dry land, but they were unable. As it says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get them back to the land, but they could not. 113. What did they do? They took Yonah and they stood on the side of the ship saying, God of the world, O Lord, do not lay upon us innocent blood, for we do not know what sort of person is this man. He says, deliberately on my account has this misfortune befallen you. They took him and cast him into the sea up to his knee joints, and the sea storm abated. They took him again to themselves, and the sea became agitated again against them. Interestingly, that they actually have empathy. You know, you think of people on the ship, people on the sea. You think of pirates and looters. And I always thought, you know, the ship couldn't have, like, not really such savory people, such savory men. But look at this. They tried throwing things overboard. And they tried, you know, saving him and t- putting him out, t- bring him in, putting him out, putting him in. It's like the direct opposite Lahabdil of, like, Peter Pan when, uh, you know, Hook wants to throw him and, and his friends overboard. Like, gladly wanting to kill them. Here, they were doing whatever they could to save Yonah, which is fascinating. And I guess that's why once they saw this, they did tshuva and they brought Zvachim and Karbanos. They lifted him up and they brought him into his knee joints and they cast him again up to his neck and the sea abated, the storm abated. Once more, they lifted him up in their midst and the sea was again agitated against them until they cast him in entirely and forthwith the sea storm abated. As it says, so they took up Yonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. 115. You can only imagine how powerful Hashem made the storm, how intense Hashem made the perfect storm, not not using any controls or special effects, but literally making lightning and thunder and raging waters, raging wind, raging rain, I'm sure. Very intense storm. And once they let Yonah go, like figuratively, literally, once they let him go, it's calmed down. Now, Dharm 38a talks a little bit about Yonah himself also, because the whole enigma that is this personality of Yonah is very fascinating, so it behooves us to learn a little bit about him. Yonah was wealthy, 
As it is written, he went down to Yaffa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid its costs and went down into it. You can imagine that it wasn't a cheap flight. It wasn't a cheap ship to get from Yonah, from uh, Yaffa to Tarshish. It's probably not a, a very close trip. They were in the middle of the sea when the sea storm came. Rabbi Yochanan said he paid the cost of the entire ship. Rabbi Romanus said the cost for the entire ship was 4000 gold dinars. That is a lot of money. Interestingly, though, Yonah himself knows that everything comes from Hashem. Even with all this massive amount of money, Yonah says that it's all because of me, it's account of me. Hashem is causing this to me, dedicating understanding that everything comes from Hashem, which also, of course, is a lesson for us on Yom Kippur. Who deserves life? Who deserves to be given any life at all? It's only by the kindness of Hashem. If we do good things, it's only because that's what Hashem wants us to do, programs us to do. It's not like it's a nice thing, it's a necessary thing. We're supposed to do good in this world. We should realize that it's all from Hashem. The good and the bad, we shall only be zochah to good things in this world, but really it's all from Hashem, every single thing. And the Ebenezer points out on Yonah and Perak Ben, Yonah remained. No one can survive in the belly of a fish even for one hour. So if this is the duration, it must and definitely was a miracle for him. Radak and Yonah points out, Yonah went and fled toward Tarshish from before Hashem. How could he flee? The prophet Yonah was full of wisdom, was full of chachma, was full of intelligence. How could he think that he could flee from Hashem? Rather, he sought to flee from before God. That is, from being in God's presence, and Hashem's presence, which is the spirit of prophecy. He thought that if he were to leave the land of Israel, the spirit of prophecy would no longer rest upon him. And so he would be able to refuse to go on the mission since he thought that Gentiles are quick to repent. And if he went to them on this mission of God, they would repent from their evil ways, which is what he was worried about all along. Barbara now points out on the beginning of the Yonah story, the word of Hashem comes to Yonah ben Amitai until the sailors feared. Our sages say that Yonah was from the tribe of Asher, and he was the son of the widow who had sustained Eliyahu. He was the dead who Eliyahu had brought back to life, the very famous story. But Rabbi Yochanan said he was from the tribe of Zavulam because when he is introduced in Malachim Bet, Paragadal Pasuk we're told he is from the Gat Chafer, in Zavulan's portion. Rabbi Levi says that his mother was from Asher, his father was from Zavulan, who was blessed to dwell by the sea until Tzidon, and he went down to Yafu and found a ship going to Tarshish. Rashi points out early on in Yonah, when it says to a sea named Tarshish, which is outside the Holy Land, he said, I will flee to the sea, for the Shekhinah does not rest outside the Holy Land said Hashem, by your life I have messengers like you to send after you and to fetch you from there. You'll see who will win. Me or you, of course, is always going to be Hashem. We cannot flee from our destinies in life. We cannot flee from what we are supposed to accomplish and supposed to do in this life. Hopefully Hashem will lead us upon the way. But you see, Yonah tried to flee, thinking that prophecy wouldn't catch up with him, wouldn't be with him. But Hashem has his plans, Hashem has other ways. We could think we could flee, we think we could run away, that the Pintalid is not still there, but Baruch Hashem, even if it's buried deep down, it is there. It can be accessed, and it can be used, and it should be used. We shall do what we can not to flee, to fight the flee, to fight against the 
fleeing mentality. It's not fight or flight. It should be fright or flight. Do not do not run away. Don't be fearful of working on yourself and working on what you need to get done. And don't be fearful of what you want to accomplish in life. Don't run away from your destiny. Don't run away from what you can accomplish. Don't run away from what you're supposed to do in this world. We come at to Yom Kippur. We stand before Hashem and we enunciate every single thing we did wrong, but that we want to be better for the future. Ramah talks about real, real tshuva. Is owning up to what you did, feeling bad about it, and not doing it in the future, or at least trying or not to do it in the future as best you can. You can't run away. Hashem will get you. Hashem will get you back. I have messengers to get you back. Hashem tells Yonah he has messengers to get all of us back as well. Rashi points out in Eparic Gimel, overturned and destroyed. He did not say destroyed because overturned has two meanings, bad and good. If they do not repent, it will be destroyed. If they repent, we mentioned earlier, alluded to earlier, then overturned refers to the people of Nineveh, that they will be changed from bad to good. And they will repent. The Medrashan Chuma in Toldos points out, in the case of Yonah, Hashem said to him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. We saw that earlier, but Yonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of Hashem. He went down to Yaffa. Ultimately, he inflicted upon him all the terrors of the sea. This fish swallowed him. He cried out to Hashem, from the belly of the fish, then the hair of his head and beard fell out because of the heat within the fish's belly. Finally, he went to Nineveh, even though he did not desire to do so. The Mabu points out on Yonah in Perak Aleph, the Yonah's mission was not for the sake of Nineveh, but for Israel's sake. After Assyria was assigned to be the rod of God's wrath with Israel for their sins, God wanted to bring them Assyria to repentance so that they would be ready to fulfill God's decree. Also, God wanted to show that Assyria had more merit than B'nai Yisrael, because they listened to the words of the prophet. Just five words! Just five words. Forty days more, and Nineveh will be overturned. They listened to the words of the prophet of Yonah, and they repented, while Israel, B'nai Yisrael, stiffened their necks. When Yonah realized that from his mission, harm would come upon Israel, this is when he began to think about, began to think about not going. He chose to drown himself in the sea, instead of bringing about harm to Israel, which is also a shift, a paradigm shift, a perspective shift to think about Yon, instead of saying, oh man, you know, using words which we should never use, like like running away from responsibility or, or cowardice here, God forbid, really, Yon is trying to be the ultimate protector of Israel. He doesn't want to bring harm to Israel. He knows that Nineveh is going to do better. He knows they're going to listen to Nechuvah. And how bad does that look for Israel? How bad does that look for Bnei Israel? Rather not give the message at all, let myself be dead, than cause such a thing. But Hashem obviously had other plans. And because in this first instance, God only said to proclaim, without specifying what, this meant proclaiming to them general words of morality and rebuke so that they would repent. God was only sending him to rebuke them, not to inform them of God's decree on them. Hence, Yonah thought that by not going, he was not guilty of suppressing his prophecy. He wasn't being sent to prophesy at all. He would only be violating the positive commandment from God to rebuke them. Understanding Yonah in depths of Yonah 1.5.11 as fleeing all the way to Spain is quite compatible with his temperament and personality. He would rather flee from Hashem, quote-unquote, flee from the responsibility rather than cause harm 
to Israel to cause harm to the Bnei Israel. Interestingly, we could see other people as well wanting about you know fleeing in life. Fleeing is not a good thing. Fleeing is not a good aspect to have a part of a personality. You should stand up and fight for what's right. You should be a champion to help others, not turn the other way. For those who have no one to speak up for themselves, like special needs, for example, doing what you can, or people that are poor, hopelessly poor, which is a problem that was seen in Rus. You know, we talk about Rus on Shavuos, but very fascinating to learn from the example. In the days when the chieftains, the shoftim, the leaders who arose in the period before the monarchy judged, there was a famine in the land. We're looking at Rus, Aleph. There was a famine in the land, a man of Bethlehem in Yehuda with his wife and two sons who went to reside in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, his two sons were Machlon and Kilion. By the way, those are probably not their real names, but it alludes to their end destruction by Hashem. Ephratites of Bethlehem in Judah. They came to the country of Moab and remained there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, she was left with her two sons. They married a Moabite woman, one named Orpah, one other roof, Rus, and they lived there about ten years. Then these two, Machlon and Kilion, also died. So the woman was left without her two sons, without her husband. We should never know from such things on any level, ever. She started out with her daughters-in-law to return to, from the country of Moab. From the country of Moab, she had heard that Hashem had taken note of his people and had given them food. And then you obviously you know the rest of the story where, you know, Arpa turns around, but Rus stays with her, clings with her, and she's Zoha to have monarchy really come from her. David is in her royal line down the line a couple of generations. Orpa was quote unquote meritorious, which is not obviously the right use of the word, but she was gotten Goliath many many uh, generations later and the do- and the grand ra- grandchild of Orpah is heading off against the grandchild of Rus. Very interesting to think about the underlying pinnings and the messages behind that. How one turned back and became a Goliath, and one stayed true and became a David. Very interesting. Anyway, it's the idea that they were fleeing. Machlon and Kilion and Elimelech, they knew that the people needed help. They knew the people were starving, they were hungry, they were thirsty, but they rather flee. They chose to flee rather than take on responsibility. Miguel Rus from Chaos to Kingship talks about the approach, the idea that Elimelech's severe punishment stems from fleeing his responsibility to help his community in a time of great need. They literally needed leaders to help to step in, to chip in, and to make sure nothing happens. And instead, they chose to flee. Elimelech saw Moab as a haven for those fleeing pressure to engage in chesed. He chose to move to this bastion of anti-chesed in order to avoid pressure during a time of need. Obviously, we should do what we can to give to others, to do for others, not to feel pressure, but to do it of our own initiative to try to contribute to the world, to make the world better, make it a better place, make it a more beautiful place, and do what we can to bring goodness to the world. And we also expound a little further, a little further. Torah.etzion.org.il, T-O-R-A-H dot E-T-Z-I-O-N dot org dot I-L talks about this idea where we could develop Yona a little bit more. Torah.etzion.org.il 
Rabbi Dovin Nativ explains, as translated by Karen Fish, toward the climax of Yom Kippur, we are instructed by Chazal to focus our attention on the reading of the entire book of Yonah. Why did our sages, why did our Chachamim see fit to choose this particular reading as the gates of Barsi are about to close? Then there are those who suggest that the answer lies in the name of the Tshuva, repentance on the city of Ninveh. However, if this were the case, it would have been sufficient to stipulate the reading of only chapter 3. Where it says, Ode Arbatim Yom Venim Why do we justify reading the entire book? Really, maybe just read that chapter where it has that famous, famous Pasuk. It would seem that the intention of the sages was to place at the center of our attention Yonah and his actions, rather than the Tshuva of Ninveh, and for this reason the reading is not limited to the later subject. There seems to be something in conflict between Yonah and God which is worthy of the attention of the Jewish people immediately prior to the Nela prayer. Likewise, the intention seems to be an emphasis not on ideas which pertain to prophets and other lofty souls, but rather on basic issues which apply to all of us and are particularly significant, significant on Yom Kippur. What then is the basic issue? Again, from torah.etzion.org.il from Rabbi Devin Nativ. So what is the basic issue? A cursory glance at the four chapters comprising Sefer Yonah with a view to finding the basic framework of the story reveals the following sequence. Yonah's escape from his destiny, his escape from God, and his escape from himself. We may follow this sequence with the aid of the key words kum, get up, and raid, go down, which are expressions of approaching the divine mission and distancing oneself from it, respectively, it should be borne in mind that for a prophet, this approach or withdrawal is unequivocal, owing to the clarity of the mission as, as revealed in the prophecy. The same is not the case for regular individual for whom the unequivocal mission appears complex and hidden. Get up and call. He descended and he fell asleep. As the safer opens... The mission transmitted the mission transmitted to the prophet to the Navis presented to us in God's words. Get up, go to Ninveh, the great city, and call it against it, for their evil has risen before me. Get up and call are the two verbs expressing awakening and movement toward the mission. Indeed the narrative continues in Yonah got up. Here begins Yonah's flight from God, from his destiny and from himself. God sends him eastward to Ninveh, and he flees westward via Jaffa to Tarshish. And he went down to Jaffa and found a ship, and he descended into it to go with it to Tarshish from before Hashem. The great wind and furious storm, the terror of the sailors and their shouts and desperate actions all leave Yonah unaffected, do not halt his descent. Yonah descended into the recesses of the ship, he lay down and fell asleep. Descent after descent within descent. The flight from God also involves a physiotopographical descent as well as isolation from the neuro from the surrounding events and the sleep of escape from reality. The flight from Hashem involves different aspects and also a topographical descent and isolation from the events and sleep of escape from reality. Hashem sends many messengers and when the powers of nature, the wind, the sea and their activity fail to intrude on Yonah's isolation, God sends an additional messenger, the captain of the ship who wakes Yonah up from his slumber, attempts to return him to his destined path. Why are you sleeping? Get up and call. 
to your God. The words of the captain of the ship are in mark contrast to Yoda's actions in descending and falling asleep. Following God's command, get up, go to Nimue and call to But even this dialect fails to check Yoda's slide. And it becomes apparent even to the sailors around him that he was escaping from before God where he had told them. The flight continues. He said to them, lift me up and lower into me the sea, into the sea. After serious liberation, they lifted Yonah up and lowered him into the sea. Rabbi Nelson said it was Yonah's intention to die in the sea. We find this in the case of our other forefathers and prophets, that they gave up their lives for B'nai Israel from Yalka Shemoni. God appointed a great fish to swallow Yonah, and Yonah was in the bowels of the fish for the three days and three nights. Yonah prayed to Hashem from the bowels of the fish, saying, I've called to God. He from the depths of the sea, from the stomach of the fish, at the very climax of the escape comes the turning point. Yonah calls out to God, You have brought up my life from the abyss. You have brought up my life from the abyss. O Hashem, my God. So Hashem speaks to the fish, and Hashem tells the fish what to do. Hashem speaks to the fish, it spat out Yonah onto dry land. Once again, Yonah stands with his two feet on the ground at the same point where he started, and Hashem's word came to Yonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call to it. And indeed, this time, Yonah got up, went to Nineveh as Hashem had commanded, and Nineveh was a great city, three days' journey. Yonah began to enter the city one day's journey, and he called out. Yonah's call works wonders. Hashem saw their actions. Hashem reconsidered the evil which he had spoken to perform them. He did not perform it. Yonah the prophet is not party to the joy over his success. And the matter was very bad to Yonah. He was displeased. He was upset, distressed. He prayed to Hashem, told them that's why he fled. And he doesn't prefer to live. Yonah went to the city. Yonah fulfills his mission and hurries away from the city. It's difficult for him to remain there. He is still haunted by profound doubts as well as the experience of his recent flight from God. And so he leaves. He made himself a circus at beneath him in the shade, waiting to see what would happen. The crux of the turbulent conflict still lies ahead of him. This is where it takes place, to the east, to the east of Ninveh. Man's flight from his destiny and mission is defined by the needs of the generation, and the nation is a common human phenomenon. It involves descent after descent after descent and leads to escaping from reality. When he flees... From the destiny mission, whatever he needs to do in the generation, whatever the nation needs for him, it's a common human phenomenon, trying to flee from destiny, from the mission. It involves descent after descent, leads to escaping from reality. Graphic summary of this, describing Yonah's geographic topographic descent, corresponding in this case also to spiritual fluctuations, reveals the symmetry of the Sefer, represents a significant symbol which helps us understand the process. The graph that arises in the form of a bird, a dove, Yonah, in flight. Yonah first receives his call and rises. He then descends to the boat and keeps descending further and further. He proceeds to return to land and rise to his call and finally he's dejected and sits outside the city. But the text goes even further. Nineveh was a great city to the Lord measuring three days journey. Measuring the three days journey. A similar description is to be found in the case of the fish. Hashem appointed a great fish to swallow Yonah. Yonah was in the bowels of the fish three days and three nights. These two emphases are seemingly redundant, create a particular parallel. The great Ninveh three days journey and a great fish for three days. An interesting solution to this parallel came via al Yakim ben Menachem's commentary on Sefer Yonah, cited in Das commentary. Ninveh, which was situated on the banks of the Euphrates River, was signific- signified in ancient Ashura script by the symbol of a fish within a house. 
It may be that the historical source of this symbol was connected to the fact that Ninveh was a source and home of a fancy fish. This was a well-recognized symbol of its renown. The name Ninveh may have well been chosen because of the symbol Ninveh, home and shell, nun, fish in Aramaic. In light of the above, the appointment of the fish is especially significant in the attempt to return Yonah to his mission. Hashem is saying, as a word, Yonah, you are fleeing from the home of the fish, the great city of three days' journeying. But you will return there via fish, which will serve you as a house for three days. And indeed, from the midst of the great fish, after three days, Yonah runs and turns towards the great city of Ninveh, measuring three days' journey. When man flees from his destiny, his basic moral conceptual system is corrupted. He assumes a limited perception of reality building himself a good, a system of good and evil which is different from that of God and that which affects those around him. But it is not coincidental that the text leaves the central question open. Throughout the Sefer, we seek the answer. Why does he want to flee in the first place? Why does he flee in the first place? We seek that answer. Why is he running in the first place? Why does he not want to help the people of Nineveh to repent. The answer is not given. A person is by nature full of doubts. Internal battles, competing considerations, and partial failures, but correct decisions along the way, and the chances of ultimate success always depend on a correct perception of the goal, the mission. Someone who flees from his mission and destiny will find himself at a dead end at every step of the way, and will discover having mercy, and will discover himself having mercy on a plant while ignoring the good of fellow humans and animals. So really, what is the deal with Yonah? Yonah was really trying to look out for his brethren. He was trying to look out for those in the nation around him, trying to look out for those people in his life. So too should we learn from for Yonah that we need to look out for the people in our life. We need to look out for those who are in our life, those who are in our existence, especially in our town, especially we need our help, those who are poor, those who are needy, those who really can't take care of much by themselves. We need to do what we can not to flee from the responsibility to help others, not to flee from the communal responsibility. Call Yisrael Arabim Zelazah. All of Israel are like one unit, are like one organism, are like one person. You can't flee from your responsibility. You can't flee from helping out others from doing for others don't flee the destiny and what is the deal with Yonah the deal is that he he cared very greatly for his fellow brethren he cared so much that he couldn't handle couldn't bear what he would say to him or 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 do and they they have to understand in life you have to do what you can to go for your destiny to go for your mission in this life don't flee from anything in life. Tackle it head on day by day by day. And I apologize for a spaz out moment before. And I apologize for my voice is a little bit tired from these days, working hard during the day and during the night. But I I appreciate you staying with me, sticking with me. But we could take this lesson with us to Yom Kippur here in almost fall 2023. Yona teaches us what's the deal? The deal is that everyone can own up to their responsibility. Everyone can own up to their deeds. Everybody deserves repentance. Everybody deserves to be able to be repented from before Hashem. And when I say everyone deserves repentance from Hashem, Hashem is the only one that can really give it. He knows our actions. He knows our deeds. He is the one in charge of taking care of what we can have in our life. And we should be Zohar to have a long life 
to have a life full of Torah, to live, full of mitzvahs, full of chesed, to do what we can, but don't flee from that destiny. You have that capability, you have that talent. You have to utilize it to make the world a better place. Yonah was gifted in his life. Somehow he had a ton, a ton of money, I'm sure, because he had gifts. He was gifted in his nevuah and was given the nevuah and he had to use it not to flee from his role, not to flee from his responsibility, not to flee from what he was supposed to do in life, but to run after, to chase after. So as we come to Yom Kippur, we stand before Hashem. What's the deal with Yonah? Yonah teaches us all these things and more. This prophet, this Navi, can teach us that everyone is able to correct themselves. Everyone is able to bring their tshuva, to bring themselves before Hashem, saying, I want to X and Y, I'll be better next year, this year, all of us, including myself, my wife, my kids, and family and friends, and we should own up to the fact that we have a destiny. We have a calling. We have something we're supposed to accomplish in this world. We have to look up to the role model of Yonah, even though it was dif- difficult and he was trying to shirk the responsibility. In the end, he took on well the responsibility above and beyond taking what he was supposed to do. And in our life, we're supposed to do what we can not to flee the destiny, but to follow the path that Hashem has for us. As we come to Yom Kippur, try to cleanse our neshamas, try to cleanse ourselves of anything that could be interpreted in a foul way, in a bad way. Obviously, each people have their own things, and obviously people have to figure out parameters for their own life. But by and large, when we come to Hashem, we say, I am not fleeing my destiny, I'm not fleeing the fact that I should be punished, deserve to be punished, we shall be zochah, not to have any punishment, any yisurin on any level, but we should come to Yom Kippur to understand that we're going to take on the role. We're going to do what we can not to flee our destiny. What's the deal with Yonah? Yonah teaches us what is the deal in life, to own up and to do what Hashem says, to do Hashem's will, even if it's difficult, even if it might be sad or it might be portraying it negatively on the Jewish people as a whole. But really, we should do what we can to own up to our responsibility not to flee from it but to, to see what our deal is just like we saw what Yonah's deal was in this life to do what we can through Torah mitzvahs and chesed to be involved in only good things I bless us all that we should have a Gemara Chatimah Tovah written and inscribed and sealed in the book of life where all our sins are forgiven and we're all zochah to live on Mevas from Shana be involved in Torah Chesed and Mitzvos every single day a wonderful day doing what we can to take our responsibility taking our deal in life affecting our Dalai Lama some more to do what we can to make this world a better place each and every single day. Join us next time here on Tani Talks Radio where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep and I'm your host Tani.